Welcome back, kids. What's up, guys? I feel like it's been a week. It has been a week. Oh, okay. We're actually doing these like on a regular basis now. Yeah. Fairly constant clip. Well, you know, that's how we're supposed to do it, but sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. I think a couple weeks ago you just forgot to listen to a record, so we pushed it back to the next week. No, 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 no. That, well, there was some weird stuff too, but I had, I had forgotten. I thought about it later that I hadn't listened to the record. I was like, oh, yeah, I couldn't have done it anyway. Now yeah. I had other stuff going on. But Life gets in the way sometimes. It's true. That's, that sounds like a good um, like, like Broadway musical. So, like, life gets in the way. Life gets in it the way would, sometimes. Or, or like where a, they like bring it down and it's like one lone spotlight on right, right. the protagonist. Or it could the be next, like... Next Meatloaf album. It could, be like a, mm-hmm. it could be a Meatloaf song or it could be like a country music song. Like life gets in the way in parentheses sometimes. All right, I feel like we're getting it our, our, right. our life in right parentheses now. gets yeah. in the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. We're just we're just gonna mm-hmm. just we're here just to amuse ourselves. All right, let's let's play some theme music. I'm Shane, Ryan, I'm Kevin, and I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. So a little bit happening in the world of uh, dead pop stars. Well, it's been a year since we're coming up on a year, I guess, since uh, Prince died. Holy shit! God, I can't and believe it, it's been that long. Well, and it seems—I don't know if it seems like it's been five minutes or if it seems like it's been longer than a year. But at any rate, yeah, apparently it's it's coming up on a year, and um, there is a new EP coming out of unreleased music of his. Um, the the title of the EP I think is a little suspect, uh, which is uh, Deliverance. So well, we don't know yeah. whether it's, it's going to be delivered or not. Or, right? Know. Yeah, there is there is some consternation. His estate is uh, is in a kerfuffle with the. I guess that the he recorded these with uh, worked with an engineer that he had worked with for a long time, and and this guy apparently helped facilitate this release. But I don't know. I, I would think that after the guy's dead. Don't you have to kind of clear it with the estate? Well, I mean, not. I guess if you own it, that's complicated. Who knows, I don't know. Man. Well, and okay, so I think it's Universal Music Group actually owns the rights to his recordings, but they're in negotiations to sell them. And so this guy is trying to put out this EP on like a Canadian indie label. Wait, so or, does anybody know, like, I mean, are these songs that they are these just like jams they did in the studio or well, it's, it's called deliverance think. i assume it's i can only assume it's his banjo album i was gonna say it's probably <laughs> yeah. i mean you gotta think the guy lived in a giant recording studio basically well yeah and I like mean, when they talk about princess vault that's a real thing like yeah. uh he apparently just has hundreds and hundreds of hours of recording i want to know I mean, how this guy could get up at two in the morning and just decide to go record a song it's not like he has to, mm-hmm. he didn't book, have to time. book time yeah the his estate is estimating the value of the songs in question at more than seventy five thousand dollars, according to the legal filing, and that seems low to me. That seems, seems low, low to me. To me. Too. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, I mean, uh, we might be just be talking about publishing, but I want to know how the dude is in had the just the recordings of these songs and nobody else did. Like, I mean, it seems it seems like nobody's questioning the validity of him to own them, just of his ability. Well, to Well, they are questioning out. the validity of this. This engineer is claiming ownership of the recordings, but I think. The estate is arguing that um, they, by default, own all of his recordings. So here's here's what it says. each of the songs on the upcoming EP was co-written and co-produced by Prince, and I don't know. I have to look at what this guy's first name is, but his last name is Boxhill. Between 2006 and 2008, according to Entertainment Weekly, so they're you know like less than a dozen years old. But anyway. Yeah, the entire six-song track listing is open for pre-order for three ninety-nine, and will be available in CD form as well. So I don't know if that just means that they're it bad. Seem, that like, seems to like fly in the face of everything Prince fought. Kind of right. Yeah. yeah, you would think that he'd just sell it for like a well, okay, so like it, a hashtag three ninety-nine because apparently it's only like three songs or five depending upon how you count because it's two actual songs and then one song has three movements. Which I don't really oh, of think of movements. Uh, well, when, when you take a lot of opi- opioids, you, uh, you tend to have uh, more mo- uh, movements. Yeah, I thought it had the opposite effect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Well, regardless, it sounds complicated. Yeah. yeah. 
Do we want to talk about somebody else whose who's, uh, musical legacy uh, and estate after and music recordings afterward was a little bit complicated as well? Uh, yeah, let's do that. All right, Ryan, what do we have this week? What were you calling him? Miguel Yaxon? Miguel, Miguel Yaxon. Miguel yeah, Yaxon. Uh, we Miguelito. Are, we are, of course, talking about Michael Jackson and his 1979 kind of breakthrough solo record. It off was, the, for off sure. The wall. Yeah. Uh, which until a few days ago I'd never heard all the way through. Did you say kind of breakthrough? Well, broke it. Well, I mean, if you, you know, if, if you compare it to Thriller, then you know, Thriller was, you know, that's the him at the top. But look, this album sold a lot of fucking copies, a lot, and it had a lot. There yeah. were at least three hit singles off this thing. I mean, I was surprised at how many how many singles off it I knew. I mean, there's a lot that I didn't know. But I think there's, I think there's at least four. Uh, oh, the, uh, yeah, I think there were yeah, but it, four yeah, that I knew. Actually, he up to that point, he was the first solo artist to have four singles chart in the top ten. Well, I for sure record. knew "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," "Rock With You," and then the title track for sure. And but, work, working day and night. Oh yeah, it all sounds kind of familiar. I mean, these are these are pretty damn good songs. This is like the be- though I will say like for the most part, it's like like the all star disco album. Well, yeah, I didn't realize until I listened to it this week. Like I said. You know, I love those singles already, um, but it's really disco. It's hard like, to listen to from front to back. Like any one or two of those songs taken right together, you don't mm-hmm. really notice how disco it is. But once you get to like three or four, you're like, okay, like what the f- like? All I could, I could just picture motherfuckers on Soul Train or like in uh-huh. a skating rink. Well, hey, it's another song about dancing. Yeah, to be to be fair, like the, when this record came out, like that's sort of reflective of the what the national zeitgeist was and. For my like, let me just say right off the top, like I think this is this is my favorite Michael Jackson album. Like it's not even close, and I think that like which not to say that there aren't some some tracks I think that are probably decent uh, here and there. Yeah, the rest you know, of his like feel a little bit like filler compared to uh, as opposed to Thriller. Uh, but you know, ultimately, I think it feels like the beginning of Michael Jackson's, like, the second act of his career, like the rising act yeah, of his Yeah, like career. getting away from the brothers and, and becoming a, you know, solo star in his own right. Yeah. His one actual the, brothers. Yes, exactly. His actual brothers. No, I wasn't it's, making it, a racial comment. Yeah, but anyway, no, I... <laughs> what? I, what the, you got away from that. I'm so confused. What, what, oh, what? All right, now I get it. Right, Michael Jackson. Okay, right. Sure. Continue. I yeah. Was no. Anyway, time. I I guess the the point is if there is one that um, I think this is. I mean, this is clearly it. It's funny. One of the pieces that I read said that called this may, may have even been the Wikipedia entry on this on this album called it his his fifth solo record. And I guess maybe technically on some level that's true because he did some like solo work when they were still with Motown. But really, for all intents and purposes, like this is the first one that was his. I know he like, did Ben, and that was like mm-hmm. him solo. But I always thought that that was just like a, wasn't it like a soundtrack to a movie? Yes, or some shit? it was. Like, a mouse? Yeah, to I a think? dead singing to a dead rat or whatever. Yeah, yeah, a dead rat. Yeah, well, I, like I assume the the rat had been uh, alive earlier. I have no, film. I've never seen the film. Yeah, I didn't even I, know I, that it existed. I can't until I remember. I didn't it. read up on Ben. I just remember reading about because I used to like that song when I was a kid. And then not too long ago, I was like, "What? Wait a minute! What? It's about a movie about a rat or something." Yeah, yeah. He's like singing to the ex rat or whatever. There were like lots of <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that almost made Mark spit his drink out all over his computer. Um, but, but there was a lot of oh shit. Thanks for putting that lamp right the fuck behind my head, Ryan. There was a there was a lot of like weird like anthropomorphic animal shit like in the seventies. Like there was like Watership Down. That was scary with the rabbits and Ricky Tikki Tavi. Ricky Tikki Tavi. And there was Hong Kong Fooey. And then there was, yes, <laughs> I and, loved and, Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> I'll, I'll put any, that right in there. Any, and, any superhero that emerges from a dumpster. Wait, and was it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know. There was another one. There was some like kind of. There was a deer involved. I don't know. Whatever. But um. I can say, honestly, I agree with you. This is definitely my favorite Michael Jackson record. I think it's stronger than Thriller. It's just not as varied as Thriller. No. I mean, Thriller's got that, but thr- Thriller's got those fucking, like, boom, like the ball is like like 450 pounds when you dunk it, like Billie Jean and shit like that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. this album doesn't have anything that fucking good. But overall, like, those songs are, 
I don't know, like it kind of, fe- when I listen to Thriller, it kind of feels like I'm supposed to be appreciating it. Like it's one of those records. Right. Know? I love Thriller when I, I was like too. 11. Uh, but well, I mean, I mean, I still love it now, but no, I, I do think. You've heard those songs so many times. There's only, yeah. there's only, how, there's only so many times that you can, you can hear like, um, you know. Beat it. Beat it and, until um, you're just like, okay, that's no longer a song. I, I mean, get it. Thriller Billie was. Jean's now you love her, whatever. Yeah. Thriller was really kind of his, his return volley from this album. I mean. He expected this album to win best. Oh yeah, he was pissed. At, he, was he was pissed. pissed at only one. It only won one Grammy, and it, yeah. and it only and went so, to number three. So he's like, like "Well, the next yeah. one, the next one's gonna, yeah. gonna be even better." Well, he was. And it was. It's the greatest yeah. selling album of all time. I think it's funny that that album goes in and out of competition like on a yearly basis or monthly basis all the time. Flip flops. It's Thriller and Best of the Eagles Volume One. Like oh could get two more close. different fucking albums, but yeah, yeah. Every, every like all the time. If you look, best selling album of all time, it's either the Beatles or Thriller, and they like go in and out. You mean the Eagles? I mean the Eagles. Yeah, sorry, not the Beatles. <laughs> I would I would be okay with that. I'd be yeah, I'd be a way the more be- okay. The with Beatles that. version of the Eagles' greatest hits. Well, the Beatles That'd be something like, that'd be kind of anthology, you know, to. whatever. <laughs> um, anyhow, we should probably listen to a song. Can it? Okay, go ahead. Well, no, go, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to set the stage a little bit here, and I like we've talked about that this is kind of the this is the the his first real solo album where he was able to kind of put a stamp on it the way that he wanted to. And there's a nice little stanza in um, the Pitchfork take on this, which I really, you know, as much as I lambast these guys, I really enjoyed this. Um, Says in the summer of 1976, a variety show called The Jacksons debuted on CBS. That program ran for a year. Um, came around during a relatively fallow period for the showbiz brood, and after the Jackson 5 ignited nationwide fear with uh, hits like ABC and I'll Be There, uh, but before Michael Jackson set up for solo superstardom, their future success seemed to, to in doubt, and the show, which featured glaring lights, sparkling costumes, and rampant cheesiness, was a Vegas-style extravaganza that played to well-worn pleasures. One of the recurring segments was called On the Wall, and saw Michael inviting various guest hosts to sign a fake brick facade and do a little dance before everyone eventually ended up in a frozen tada pose. Anyway, um, though he was all smiles on the Jacksons, he later claimed that he quote hated every minute of it. So that's what his. So this was his that's retort. It, his this was his kind of a, his middle finger to child stardom. I think is kind of what I get. He's a complicated there. dude, man. You think? You know, for somebody that's <laughs> that's so you know ostensibly so childlike and naive. And he would go along and pull shit like buying all the Beatles back catalog uh, right under well, you know bubbles. That happened, yeah, right? I know we talked about it on the show, but yeah. I mean, right underneath fucking Paul McCartney's nose. That's some duplicitous ass shit, man. I, I mean, that, that, that had to have been after this. I mean, no, Paul yeah, that McCartney wasn't. Yeah, that was, was around the time they did like say say say. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, they did the video for say 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 together, and while they had downtime and they're setting lights or whatever, they're. Like Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson were chatting, and Paul McCartney's like, you know, hey mate, you know, good way to make some money is publishing. <laughs> so is this is this the first collaboration that that McCartney and I'm pretty Jackson sure had? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Let's let let I do want to talk about that song that they collaborated on, but but let's uh, let's listen to something. I think I think you're uh, you're onto something there. What right? do you think, Ray? Oh man, um, I know that I'm going to want to listen to two of the singles, and then I've got a a song that's not a single that I want to listen to as my three. But I think I'm gonna. Go with uh, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. Shocking to no one, but that motherfucker could dance. 
Well, I will tell you this, and I agree with you, and the moves were there, but like within two years' time, he really went from like a really great dancer to like a transcendent dancer. Like well, I mean, the, mo- the most of okay, so we just watched the video for uh, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough," um, and it looked like most of that was just improvised. Like there was a little bit of choreography towards but the, the end, but, but you could was, see you the could moves s- that he would perfect. There, no, you, over the, his the, a lot of that stuff, a lot of that trademark stuff that he was doing, like during. Th- well, I mean, he obviously spent a lot of time working on that to go from like a great innovative lot of rhythm dancer to fucking just something that was on a completely different level like yeah um, so that, that video really is just him dancing in front of like random background shit it looked like trap but keepers, i was like, like mesmerized i'm just watching a man dance and like it helps that the song's good but um like he just had moves like well, he, he sure did look a lot better before he started getting plastic surgery yeah he was, he was still a was, guy he was he was one nose job in in this record, he already like, was. He had he had, had his one first nose job. Nose job. Yeah. I thought he looked great. Dude, um, like, do you guys remember that fucking shit? He did that interview with Oprah Winfrey, like in the nineties, and he tried to claim that he had never had his skin lightened, that he just he had um, Patiglia. Patiglia, right? Which I've seen people with that, and it does not look like. Well, what, it's it's splotchy, and, and I um, spl- it's splotchier, but I mean, and it doesn't just manifest itself. But I would like, think I would think the rest of it would be makeup. I mean, I don't know. Also, uh, no, you he would doesn't think have it. He's had his skin whitened. He's lying. Would, he also said he didn't have plastic surgery at the time. Yeah, well, well that's yeah, ridiculous. It's, all, it's demonstrably bullshit. Yeah, you would also think that I don't know anyone else in his family might have had a similar affliction. Like, nope, no, none of them. Hey, uh, I will say this, like. One of the things that we haven't really talked about is, um, Ryan, did you ever go uh, by Michael Jackson's childhood home in Gary, Indiana? No, but I've driven through Gary, Indiana. It's, it's a, a piece shithole. It is a piece of shit. I've been to... to uh, the Jackson home? Yes. And it is about the size... Of, we're in, you know, the, the office that we record in, or the room that we recorded in Mark's office is what? Like, it's a little bigger than 10 by 10, but not much, right? Like, that Maybe house, there are 12 people in that house. And that house is like, I don't know, like maybe three times the size of this room. Like it's tiny. And I was like, they had what? Ten kids. Yeah. Yeah. Ten kids and and whatever. uh, And his parents. And and he I saw I read I saw an interview earlier today and he was talking about how I don't know if they didn't have a television or what. But he was like they had they actually started singing to just pass the time and keep themselves occupied but I would just think that you just have to make noise to let people know that you're coming or get out of their way. Like, Jesus. Yeah, Can you I mean, imagine the bathroom situation in a house like that? Well, yeah. Also, yeah. there were there had to have been a lot of kids around, like, even while they were in the process of making other kids. Like, that must have been an awkward situation. I mean, I'm sure they ran into that shit, like, in the Old West, but not, like, in, like... Yeah, I hadn't really 50s. thought about that, but, like, oh, hey, sorry. Yeah, no, anyway. Um, Clearly, it wasn't that big of an issue because they kept having they kids. They kept having kids, it's true. Yeah. Anyway, no, just it just struck me, like, having having been by that house, and it's w- totally weird, too. Like, it's on a corner on this Gary, Indiana, to Ryan's point, super sketchy. Like, it, well, it, it looks like a war capital zone. of the country for a few years. I don't really? think it is anymore. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, How big it's, is that city? It's, it's basically, Smaller it's, than it it's used basically to be. East Chicago. Um, it's... What, probably about 100,000 people, something like that? Something like that. No, it was that close to Chicago. Yeah, it's it's like about as far west in Indiana as you can get before you get to Illinois. Um, and it's just industrial wasteland, most of it. I'm sure it doesn't help with all of the shuttering of manufacturing and stuff. like. Oh, no, yeah. Cities, yeah. Anyway, it's, there it's are reasons. super yeah. dodgy, and I can totally see why, like, I think, you know, part of what um, his, what it's, uh, Joe, what his what his dad was saying was that uh, that you know part of the deal is like all those kids had to eat, and so he didn't say it, and it was edited a little funny, but like the impression that I got was that like part of the reason they started performing once they figured out they could sing was like we gotta go make some money to feed this all is our these ticket people. out of here. Yeah, well, he and it was them into like, like yeah. titty bars and shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't know heard, if you want to book a bunch of kids well, into titty bars. I've, I've heard a bit about Joe Jackson. By the way, I've seen interviews with Joe Jackson, and Joe Jackson is the type of man that speaks and refers to himself as the third person. Oh, which yes. immediately, I, you lose all so credibility. Got some Carl Shane, Malone in yeah, him. Shane uh, heard an interview with Joe Jackson. Yeah, Shane heard an interview with Joe Jackson, and <laughs> and, uh, and also that dude's had some weird fucking 
plastic surgery in his old age. Like he's getting like a bad eye job and stuff like that. But I mean, whatever. I mean, he, <clears throat> I do like the fact that he went on on a dude. That guy went out and sired a band. Not just, just the band. He went out inside the most successful solo artist in the history of music. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, certainly. But, and then but also. It, but it's like, hey, we need a bass player. Like, uh, you know what? That, that fucking family's fertile because Janet Jackson just got pregnant and had a baby at the age of 50 last oh, year. Oh, that's so. the story we should have told. Did you hear? This is this super. She story. already divorced her baby daddy? Well, part him? of the deal was, and I don't know what the backstory on that guy is. I guess maybe he's, I like, we need to look this up, but like. Maybe he's an oil baron or something. He's got access to crazy amounts of money. She had signed a prenup. The rumor is that she'd signed a prenup that if she stayed in the marriage for five years, she'd get a hundred million, and if they had a kid, she'd get another hundred million. And she she filed three months after that baby was born, after they'd been married for five years. Like, if that's true, Damn. if it's that's true, and maybe dodgy. it's not. Yeah, yeah. it's not like air she, quotes. It's not like, like she herself hasn't sold like. No, she'd be like um, copious amounts of records. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she would not, be like the you know the biggest deal ever to come out of that family. If that's crazy, if that's true. Games. We're gonna need to look. That well, you have to look that up, and, and you know, and, and like I said, break. But, we'll we'll check that out a little yeah. bit more. Well, we haven't really talked much about the song. Oh, oh yeah, so um, yeah, great song. That's that the, was the one that won the Grammy. That's and it, the and it one did that go to I knew. Like, that's, that was the first song I ever heard about this, and um. Like I, the first time I heard it wasn't too long after Thriller came out, and I thought I was like, "This sounds." There was just something in my, even though I was like little kid, like I was just like, "There's something that sounds different to me about it." I didn't understand like the, the disco sound. You know, I was, I was well, young. Right, no, well, I mean, it, well, that's another thing we should talk about is disco. But like before we get there, um, like that, that song has like you know the strings and um, the horns and all that and. Like while I was listening to it, I was like, "Well, you know, I, I wonder how much of this is just synthesizers or whatever." But like, no, they had like if you look at the list of musicians who played on this record. Well, it's fucking Quincy Jones. I'm sure there's synths in there somewhere. But I mean, yeah, well, apparently gonna... they went all over Los Angeles just having sessions. And yeah, sounds expensive, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the uh, you look at the Wikipedia entry for this, and the just the credited uh, li- uh, credited. Personnel on this. Jesus Look at this shit. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, there's synthesizers in there, but you've got the you've got what is that like forty or fifty people? The sea wind horns. I gotta say, I'm a big fan of Wawa Watson. Yeah, Wawa. <laughs> Wawa Watson. Yeah. yeah that's he, great. the namesake of a little Wawa guitar. Sure, exactly. Um, but yeah, Stevie Wonder and Stevie Wonder um, did the rhythm arrangement on. Well, and Michael Jackson plays percussion on a couple tracks. Well, and the and so one of these tracks too, and I don't remember which one it is, but John Robinson, the guy who ends up playing drums on most of this, there was a there's a song, and he, I you know I guess got invited in the studio to to sit in and just try out this drum track or whatever. And they told him what song they wanted to play, and he played it. And the brothers uh, minus Jermaine, who had stayed behind in Motown because he was married to Barry Gordy's daughter. Uh, huddled up and are talking and then one of them comes back over and they're like we don't know how you played that because that song is like triple dubbed like they had they had overdubbed it three times and they're like we've never seen a human and he's like you had to do this weird thing with your arms in order to like actually be able to lay the track down but That's pretty fucking cool yeah anyway um, it might be working day and night it's it's a, I think it's another one of the one the of the singles. Jackson tracks yeah Anyway, but yeah, this 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 record is um, one of the one of the things that I read, which I won't read you guys directly, but I but I think that like this is the gist that I hear kind of bubble up over and over again is that like he does like there's not there's not the baggage like there's just like the baggage like he's breaking out of being a childhood star into his own right, but there's like not all the there's no like hyperbaric chamber. Oh, by bubbles. the way, I, I like, just found out recently the hyperbaric chamber thing. Um, it he did that in order to drum up publicity for some kind of... He did it himself in order to drum up publicity, and it pissed him off that at the time... I just found this out, that um, what he wanted it to drum up publicity for ended up being everybody just making fun of him for sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber, but like that was just... A was he trying to drum up publicity with the elephant man bones and the chimp bubbles also? I, I don't necessarily know. Like I said, the guy but was... The, he, he gave up... You know, of course, every, he, he was childlike and naive, but like there was, a, there was some calculating craziness in that man so far be it for us to even try to yeah. unpack that you know can i say one thing real quick that i was just noticing that that's Stevie what you're here for by the way thanks ryan <laughs> thank you 
Say it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go put the lamp behind your head and just a second <laughs> and not tell you about it. Thanks for moving it, by the way. Uh, so the song that Stevie Wonder co-wrote and has rhythm arrangement on, um, it's called "I Can't Help It," um, which actually turned out being m- my favorite new song of this record. It was one of the one of the few slow jams, other than "Girlfriend." And um, I just want to say though, it who knew that like it sounds like a combination, and I didn't I didn't think about this before. Um, if you had Stevie, like if people wanted to listen, people must have been clamoring for m- like a combination of Steely Dan and Michael Jackson at the time. And damned if it doesn't work on this, like because nothing about that sounds on paper like it ought to work. But yeah, that doesn't sound like, right. written by Stevie Wonder. That sounds like it's a Steely Dan song fronted song by Michael Jackson. By Michael Jackson, but it works. So I don't know. I mean, at this point, the guy was just everything he touched turns to gold, and I think that's just a good example of that. Well, he was just ridiculously fucking talented. If you separate out all of the controversies and general weirdness and plastic surgery and all that shit, the motherfucker was just talented. Um, he was really talented, but that's another thing is he was really talented, and a lot of really talented people saw him that way and were willing to help see his vision through to fruition. Well, and this is also like the benefit of growing up, like literally growing up in Motown studios. He just got to hang out and watch people work the board. What like ask all the questions of these yeah, people I mean, this, who are at the top was, of their that game. That was his sandbox. Was yeah. Just being around like the most talented people in the nation, uh, making brilliant music. And here he is growing up. I mean, also a little bit to his detriment. I think like when the world can't tell, you no and you're nine, um, you grow up to be a weird adult. And he was yeah. the definition of weird. Weird yeah. adult. All right, let's just do another one of his songs. Uh, well, I, I definitely want to hear the title track off the wall because the bass sound in that is just ridiculous, and it's actually my favorite song on the record. All right, uh, well, those are two good reasons. Let's listen to Off the Wall. Off, off the Wall. <laughs> Testament to how good this album is because it came out at the tail, tail, tail end of disco. I mean, like five, probably like six months after it came out is when they were fucking burning all the re- disco records. Uh, I, and think, shit. I think it was probably a, a year or two after that. But yeah, yeah disco like had a short nineteen eighty one. But, but yeah, disco had a short shelf life. I after think that, I think that that might have gone uh, gone lo- a long way to why he didn't get as many won as many Grammys and also. But I think this record might have kind of because it's so strong, like. Just added a little bit of respectability to the and, and extended people's appreciation of, of disco. disco. Just another just like because year. this record is so just good. Because of this one, yeah. But speaking uh, of, we were talking during the break. The dude that wrote this song, Rod Temperton, Rod Temperton, was um, recently expired. He died like six months ago, um, six seven months ago. He was a a, a white. Prolific, that was a prolific dude. British, like very soft spoken, lived and wrote in like like a small village in England um, for most of his life. And um, he just ended up writing all these fucking crazy disco R&B hits. He just came out of nowhere. And um, Yeah, that's crazy, man. And he's like this incredibly influential like songwriter, especially... About people. the last person you'd expect to, to write those Look songs. Look at his picture. I see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the last guy he in the world. He like a proper older Brit. Yeah. And and yet he's so famous not only for um, well I think it's funny and like it point if you it points out uh, like well sorry Mark was was showing us this in the in the uh, I guess it's the Wikipedia for for off the wall it talks about how Timberton um, basically all of the well like the vocal ticks the little vocal ticks that Jackson does that's something that that Rod Timberton there's came not up as with. much of that on this record like the the shamones and hee hee yeah there is some of that like there, there's a little there's, bit there's a little bit they're more they're more percussive 
Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, but he wrote with him also on on Thriller. I mean, he wrote the title track, Thriller. I did not know that. Yeah. So Rod Rod Temperton. Go Who on. knew? I mean, Go nobody on. knows about this fucking guy. Um, wait, like he? What we were reading like the songs that he wrote a minute ago, and like there's just all kinds of shit on there. I mean, rock, rock with you, and then um, off you know, the wall, which we off just the heard. wall, yeah. Jamo be there. Yamo be there. Yamo be there. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. The, the Yacht Rock special, the Michael McDonald thing. I can't think of of that song, but oh, you would totally know it if you. You heard would it. know it. Yeah, it was a late seventies kind of thing. All right, all right. Um, anyway, uh, what do you guys think of that song? It's a great song. I it, mean, it amuses me, and I don't know. I don't know where Kevin falls on this, but uh, both. Uh, you, me, and Mark all have different favorite songs from this record, and we're all not wrong. Um, oh, I mean, it's just a good record. Like, I probably, I do think that like we talk, we haven't talked about sequencing at all with this record, but I think this record is sequenced really well. Uh, no, I agree with you. And like, and off the wall, like for a track that, for a track that is as strong as it is, feels like it's a little bit of a transition track, like just in terms mm-hmm. of like it's moving you from sort of one. One uh, tempo to another, and anyway, well, it starts but, out with also that, that like uh, rubber band bass that I just can't get over, and it kind of moves into a, a more disco styling, and then kind of that chorus is peters out. Crazy good, man. That, yeah, that hook. Yeah, I, yeah, it's I good know. stuff. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Do you want to go to the intermission? Let's go to the intermission. All right, play some of that music. There was something about a saxophone on one of these songs the other day, and I was listening to this album in the car, and then I went back on the radio, and it was playing one of, it just happened to be on like the the Bob FM, you know, that fucking clear channel oh, yeah, station. Well, they, we play anything, but really it's just like hits from like they the They play last hits years. from the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, a lot of classic rock. And uh, But they were playing this song, and there is a saxophone part in this song that is just a perfect example of how you can take a great song Put a little saxophone in it and make it go from an A to like a B, just just by that little just by well, that little in, saxophone. Well, in Shane Bartel world for sure. No, I'm not. I mean, no, I'm saying it's it's pretty objective. But um, anyway, so I want to play. Uh, oh, and I want to show you something about this band later. But anyway, only the lonely by the Motels. So I dig that tune. It's a great tune. And then there's an annoying saxophone part in it. But anyway, we'll discuss that later. Or I pretty much have said all I want to say about the sax. Maybe that's why they're lonely. Like there's there's, some, there's like one dude with like with like the the same sunglasses that the Blues Brothers wore, and he's just like playing saxophone in the rain, you know, with that's with some steam coming out of a vent. Yes, that yeah. guy. All, All right. right, let's watch it. All right, let's watch it, Mark. We walked the loneliest mile. We smiled without any style. We kissed altogether wrong. No intention. We lie about each other's drinks. We live without each other thinking what anyone would do without me and you. It's like I told you, only the lonely can play. So hold on, here we go. At first, I thought it was a, that was kind of a lame video, but then I I thought about it and I kind of it's a little heavy handed, but it was it was pretty clever. Like yeah, the it, idea of a I singles mean, bar, like people going to a bar just to get drunk to well, leave it looked with each like other. a really '80s version that was trying to look, look like, like it was like a, speakeasy. a '30s speakeasy yeah. slash dinner right. club. And that's why I thought it was lame at first, but then I, I I came around to the idea of like a like a bar being a place where like the Lonely people go to find somebody else, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially, I think, you're, the central conceit. And you're never lonelier than uh, when I don't was that bar even open? Like, there was a bartender there, but literally, she was the only person in there. And I was like, well, well no, there no, were no, a bunch of people no, no, there no, earlier it, in the video. And then at the and end she's of just it, she's walking like, around singing to herself. Some dude walks up to her and starts kissing her, and she like kisses him back, and then just like nah, and like shoves him away. Yeah, so it's about I, that time that the saxophone. So I want to point. Up. I want to point mm. one thing out, and Ryan. I want to show this to you. So you notice, like, so she's the only person other than 
they have a non-existent string, string quartet. There's no strings in that song. And then they, when the sax solo comes in, the dude shows up with the sunglasses and plays. For like a second and a half. But, but other than... Other the, than the, the guy on screen appearance, yeah, for like a second and a half. But other than that, there's no other, there's no members of the band in that video. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna set this down and just show you. But apparently, she's had personnel issues over the years. I'm just gonna. Are show they still you. a band? They are. But I'm just gonna show you the li- the list of. She's been the only constant. Okay, I'm gonna set this down to show it to Ryan. Hold on. Johnny Marr. Johnny Marr. <laughs> <laughs> That's the longest one I've seen yet. Look uh, at how many people are on that from past members. And then randomly, I know that we've seen. Uh, what was the the fall? The fall, the, I think, the has fall, more. Has the more. Fall was, the fall may pa- have had more, memory. but this is is almost as many or in That's fewer a, years active too. It's a lot of past members. But yeah, you can. You, so apparently, there's. This is one of those people that really she really thinks that she's the talent in the band. She's talented. I mean, sure. But they had what, like two, maybe three I think hits. They had top two hits. They had a, in they, like. 1982 or 81 or 82, something? 82, 83, yeah. Like, this is very early MTV. Uh, I remember, like, I, yeah. This, I re- this, no, this transports me to, like, the Human League and shit like that. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, right around that exact same time. Uh, anyway, I still think, I, f- I feel like, even if there are people in that video earlier in the, in the, uh, in the bar earlier in the video, like, really, like, it kind of ends up at a place where it's like just her and the bartender, and then she forgets how to use a chair and just lays all over the table. Lays on the table like yeah. when they're clearly like, closed. Well, I just like right and and like hey, it's I, just I, rude. No I, wonder I you work can't in the service anybody. industry. If you know, hey, would you fucking leave? Nobody, yeah. nobody asked. No, because the sun was coming up at the end of it. So basically, they just like wrapped up the rest of the bar. They couldn't wake her up. They're just like fuck it. Just gonna leave her. I mean, she didn't yeah. appear to be drinking, but uh, apparently. Oh no, she did. There was a big thing about it where he kept maybe, setting like. Well, well, maybe like in drinks in front. Somebody of her. slipped her a Mickey. It seemed like that time period. There was a guy with a literal pencil thin mustache. Oh yeah, he, he looked nefarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, no that uh, that is a, another trip in the way back machine. So, yes. thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that's one of those songs that I, if I hear it, and I rarely hear it, but I'm always like, oh yeah, I like that. That's. No, they they had good songs. Oh, uh, and actually, come to think of it, this you know this is only like a, a scant few years after uh, Off the Wall. So musically, clearly yeah, a progression. Was, I think this came out right like maybe six months before um, Thriller. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll get into that on the other side. It was the sorbet for Thriller. Something like very that. similar yeah. sounding. Music. <laughs> the aperitif. Yes. All right. All right. Let's go back. So we're back on Michael Jackson's Off the Wall, and I just want to point out that I was, as I was listening to this the last week, if you you trust him lyrically uh, for these to be accurate, uh, Michael Jackson was quite the player back in the day, um, just out partying all the time, hooking up with the ladies. Um, yeah, I, I don't really ever. Th- I don't necessarily think don't that know was actually that I true. That ever happened? But but I know that that <clears throat> around this time he was being pawned off in the press as though he were a. Lothario, Lothario, that's a great, great. Term. I think there was a lot of PR manipulation in this guy's career because, like, just about anything that relates to his personal life, love life, or whatever, I just don't really believe it. Um, and you know, whatever. Um, I don't know that. I I literally have no idea what happened with the young boys. No I just idea. Re- I remember him being like oddly like the like the four people I really remember him being like pictured with a lot in the, the press over the course of a few years were Liz Taylor for some reason that was mm-hmm. a big one, and then Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields for sure. And then and then Emmanuel Lewis. And then Emmanuel <laughs> Lewis. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Then Macaulay Culkin, and uh, <laughs> and um, one of the fucking Lisa, Lisa Marie Presley. For a little while, that was yeah. See, over the years, like very bizarre. Pe- then whatever the fuck that kid was in, that was in the Lost Boy, Corey Feldman. Corey like they Feldman, were, they were yeah. they were big. Think on of that. Steve's. You know, yes, they were. You know, I saw I saw a thing, and, and Corey Feldman was was widely reviled for the for this song that he why for you know rightly so it was fucking hilarious. Then he played on like the Today Show. Oh, I year. remember something about this. It was like six months ago or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, but all his dance moves were straight up like Michael Jackson era, like bad era 
like, like crotch grabbing and this to his hat and stuff like Did that. Did you say crotch grabbing? Crotch grabbing, yes. Yeah. Crotch grabbing. I'm, yeah. I don't know British all of a sudden. I don't know. Yes. No, I don't think they say crotch grabbing. <laughs> I don't think they say crotch grabbing. It's not, it's not like spelling like center with an R-E. Anyhow. Uh, crotch grabbing. Yeah, it just it, it just kind of and it, it will lead into the next song that I'm gonna bring up, but we won't we won't need to do it yet. But, um, yeah, like uh, old MJ was just like man on the town, you know, like yeah, like in the '70s that way, you know. And so all of that stuff kind of died in the '80s, like real quick. He was just friends with like Liz Taylor and stuff. But in the '70s, they really were positing him to be. It kind of reminds well, it, me of like Rock Hudson in the '50s, you know, like an obviously gay man, but they paired him up with every woman in Hollywood. Yeah, all. it was just like this machine. Not that I'm saying he was gay. I'm just saying like it's similar. Like where the, the I, I have no idea. If nobody knows what Michael Jackson. Nobody was attracted knows. Nobody to. knows. Nobody knows. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. I, I keep thinking there's going to be some kind of tell-all book, and somebody who like actually knew him is going to be like, you know, here are the goods. But like so far, yeah, I, nothing. I, I think we're all going to you know? go to our graves and not really know. You know, well, he dangled a baby from a. From a balcony. He did you do can't that. Be, it was a weird motherfucker, gay. man. I mean, he got married a couple times. You but can his, be but gay his, and have babies. I'm he was saying. a black guy, but his kids are white. Like, I don't know. But he was a white guy with a nose that was falling off when yeah, he died. Yeah, he went from like a handsome black man to a, a white woman. Apparently, um, he, was, he was sleeping like 24 to 48 hours at a time, like the year before he died. And then he, was, and then he started doing like rehearsals, dance rehearsals for his I've seen some of the tour. footage of that. He, was still, he still had it. Um, Except he looked like I mean he looked like a skeleton Have you ever seen that Lon Chaney The original Phantom of the Opera Yeah like, Yeah I that's what he looked like It's a famous picture Yeah I don't know But anyway At this time It was a, During Off the Wall In 1979 It was a more joyous And Fun Fun filled And the world was full of life Yeah For well, Michael Jackson The uh, The Billboard review Of this record Calls these And we talked a little bit About the some of the disco thing that, that happens here, but it, it refers to these tracks as, as disco funk burners and cottony pop tunes and says he kind of sits at the intersection of like boyish yet confident, sexy yet naive. I do think that it's really interesting that the the um, the tuxedo that he wears in all the videos and that he that he's wearing on the um, album cover was suggested by I think that was Quincy Jones' suggestion, but the socks were MJ. I'm and glad that, was, that you, like that's you get that's where the MJ starts to creep into his like what will become. I'm his glad that you persona. brought that up because that became a signature part of his. Of it, his. it was pre single glove, but yeah, he had like no, no, kind no, of no. the high waters no, with like white socks, but with white socks, black pants, black shoes with white socks, and this went all the way through. Like into like the black and white album. I mean, like he was still doing that then. Yeah. Like the high water black pants with white socks. What an odd sartorial, sartorial choice. choice. I was knew those were the words. It you is. Pick. Yeah. They kind of work for him though. I don't think I could pull it off. No, but I mean, he did. But it, like, <laughs> I don't he, think you tried. He was very consistent. <laughs> he was very consistent with that look through twenty years. You know, like. Or you know a lot. No, he he cultivated a look. This was pre left glove, glittered glove. It was pre glitter glove, but that didn't stick around that long. And then there was that beat it jacket, the red jacket with the studs on it and stuff. That didn't stick around that long. But the oh, one yeah, constant, like, like the Eddie Murphy era, right? Like, yeah. The, but then the one constant were the fucking high waters with the white socks. Yeah, odd dude. Yeah, Enigma. Ryan, you got another so, song? Yeah, I do, and it, it's going to lead into like uh, Michael Jackson as player and. Kind of a dick move, but uh, like lyrically in this song, and I hadn't realized it as I was listening to it. Uh, oh, this but the song one is that, the one that Paul McCartney wrote. It, this <laughs> are you talking about? Uh, okay, right, dude. The uh, lyrics in this song—it's such a dick move. He's a total ass. He does not yeah. come off as sympathetic at all. No, uh, but I'm talking about, of course, uh, girlfriend. So let's get into that. <laughs> What we're doing, yeah. 
so I got to share a little bit of the uh, Billboard take on this, which is, I think, kind of hilarious. So Paul McCartney wrote this, and it did come out on the um, 1978 Wings album, London Town. But he wrote it with Michael Jackson in mind. He wrote it for Michael Jackson, then decided to record it himself with Wings. Yeah. And then Quincy Jones was like, hey, that might be a good song for Michael to cover. Yeah, anyway. So so anyway, the the this write-up makes the point that, like, this is uh, Jackson at his, quote, doofiest and most tuneful. Uh, and the innocence of the lyrics all about a guy who's actually going to tell another fellow he's having a fling with his lady is perfect for him. It's And this is what I really thought. I was like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. It's supermarket rock with sax and synth sounds that have aged about as well as 1979 milk. Uh, but this guy says those uh, doo-doo-doo vocals still bring a smile. Anyway, it's a it's a goofy song, but it feels a little bit like I could see where like that era of McCartney might have written it something. It grew like that. on me over the week. I, I like the song somewhat. Yeah, but but I think that's partially because I didn't look at the lyrics as being like goofy like he did. I looked at them straight up as like oh he's a fucking dick. He's being a fucking dick. Like girl, if you don't fucking tell him, I'm gonna tell him. Well, and I'm and, gonna and, show him all the letters he wrote me. Well, and naive because he thinks that once he tells her actual boyfriend that he's having an affair with her, they can finally be together. Well, I think that's just because that's he's a controlling most, asshole. That's <laughs> how most happy marriages start, as I understand it. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, girlfriend, I'm going to tell your boyfriend what we've been doing. What we've been doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Hey, dick move, man. Um, also, the melody sound. <laughs> but actually written by Paul McCartney, who at the time was still with Linda McCartney, and he spent like every day with her like from the day when they met uh, to right. the day she I died. Mean, now that I know that Paul McCartney wrote it, because this was during the time when he was writing some sappy-ass fucking bullshit. But before that, I was just like, dude. This is you're being total you asshole. You're being a fucking prick. Like, you don't do that. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you look at it in the term like maybe we're looking at it in the terms of like 25 year old men and women and should be looked at as the, at the like like first graders or something. You know, like first or second graders. I don't know. But I then mean, it says in there, I think like them what they do at night when the wind is free. So maybe it's not like second graders. I mean, no, they allude to like the doing it. Um, so. <laughs> The doing it, <laughs> yeah. the doing of the subtle, it. yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I just found it. I it's just the more I listened to it, just the more amused I was by it. Uh, the only other thing that I really wanted to bring up about this record uh, is how, and I know Kevin gets tired of us bringing up the Smiths, but how the last song oh, has on, it been an episode? <laughs> <laughs> not in a while. <laughs> yeah. But the last song uh, on the record is uh, "Burn Down." The disco, either one of that is, burn, what is, burn this disco, burn this disco down. Uh, reminds yeah. you of burn down the disco. Well, well it just reminds me of panic. panic. By but the I Smiths. know what the line is: burn uh, down the disco. Yeah, out. burn this disco out. Yeah, which really okay if you listen to the Michael Jackson lyrics, it's just like we're gonna dance so fucking hard. Yeah, that it's gonna like light the disco on fire. But when you see it on on paper, it it's just you just I just want to see like a like an ebony and ivory type duet with like Morrissey and Michael Jackson like circa like 1984. That would have been great. There was as part of that um that documentary that that Spike Lee did, there was a section in that that when they were recording this record, and I don't remember what the hell song which song it was, it doesn't really matter, but it was like he's he's recording one of the songs and then it comes to like this instrumental part in the song. And then he walks out while the song's still going. And the engineer's like, oh, what the hell happened? So he gets up and he walks out to the hall. And uh, MJ is dancing his ass off in the hall. And he's like, sorry, I just, I have to get this out of my system. I'm not going to, I can't stand still in there. And so it's like, he was a 21-year-old, like, kid, too. Like, he's just. Well, right. Yeah. And, 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 like, from when, you know, we watched that uh, video earlier um, and most of that, um, the dancing in that looked um, improvised, like on the spot. He just really liked to dance. Like, well, and he felt the music. He hit, and his one of the other things that popped up in that in that documentary was his dad said that he had grown up watching like pretty much everybody from Gene Kelly to uh, Fred Astaire to like all to James Brown and ev almost everybody in between. And his father, according to his father, he could see something once and then reproduce it. 
So I think he just found the stuff. Like, if that's true, uh, you know, like he just found the stuff that he liked and incorporated that and made it like put his own spin on it. So did, literally, did any of you guys see the uh, Motown 25th anniversary special, like when it, when it aired back in would have been like 83. Um, no, but I you're think, asking I've us if we saw a show. I watched, when I watched that live. When that that was it. Walk? Like, man, that's all us kids at, at school could talk about the next day because I was like 10 or 11. And uh, I just remember like seeing that that move the first time he did the moonwalk and we were all just like, holy shit. Like the world just changed. Yeah, I remember that being a big thing in my school. I didn't watch it. Everybody but. at school was trying to do it. And none of us could pull it off. <laughs> what a weird situation for teachers, though. Well, like, like a bunch of little the, kids. Like, you're going the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, I'm uh, I'm really glad that you picked off the wall, Ryan. I think this is, uh, you know, it, like we've talked about in the break. Like this is easily one of these albums that we could we could. Oh, I could t- divide I could give you another, another hour right now. I'm not sure. going to. Yeah. Uh, but I easily could. Anyway, it's a fun one. So if you've never heard uh, Michael Jackson's uh, underground ditty from <laughs> Thriller, <laughs> yes, or well, off the wall, well, off the wall, um, check those out at your local record purveyor. Do can I go? Uh, those? Can I go a little yeah. off script and uh, oh, sure. just you know this this one song? I want to just play like fifteen seconds of this song. Uh, it's it's get on the floor and. Uh, it uh, it features Lewis Johnson on on bass. Was this the one that is your favorite? This is my favorite cut on the album. I just want to play just a short amount of it. We don't have to we don't have to talk about it afterwards, but uh, I just I just wanted to share it. Yeah, so that bassline groove just blew me away on this on this album yeah that's really fun man i mean it's it's, it's kind of like a bootsy collins kind of thing and it's it's real 70s i mean even if this was the end of the decade it just reminds me i of, don't know man it makes it just it reminds makes me of like a, a lot of the 80s like a lot of stuff that was going on if you you could transplant that and do like to some parts of you could see a direct line from that to like flee well i knew you were gonna say that but like what was flea influenced by like stevie parliament, wonder and shit. So, yeah and parliament yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah sure no of course it's all circular i mean I yeah wouldn't. totally I just kept like waiting for the cop uh, cop show to start, you know, like it yeah. Just, oh, yeah. The beginning yeah. of it has that vibe that yeah that that and that there was uh, several moments on this record where I was just like you know it reminded me of like Love Boat and like Dynasty and shit like just real kind of dramatic. I watched a version string of arrangements and shit and go ahead. Oh, nothing. I was gonna gonna say I watched a, an episode of the Love Boat like a couple weeks ago, like kind of hungover on a Saturday. Oh man, they were playing them uh, at like two in the morning or three in the morning, something like a few years ago um, when I didn't have a whole lot going on. I was just working, and um, I started. I got in this habit of watching them on like Nick at Night, and they're super cheesy, but they're super so cheesy, fun. It was fun. It, it's hard, it's hard to, to to watch certain things and like laugh tracks and stuff like that. But like, I love that the guy that this guy's uh, nickname is Thunder Thumbs. Thunder Thumbs, yeah. Thunder uh, Thumbs. Lewis Johnson, yes. Thunder Thumbs. I hope he did some did play well, a little bit with the Wawa ser- guy. But I mean, with yeah, the Wawa you, guy. Yeah. You look at Lewis Johnson's uh, biography, and he's he's had a lot of a lot of touch on a lot of influential songs throughout throughout music. So uh, I just wanted to I just wanted to pull that up. Thank you for indulging me on that. He played on Billie Jean too. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, pretty big deal. That'll buy you a boat. Well, I don't know. Do, do, do bass players get residuals? Yeah, on big sure. Depends, it depends on the way. That, yeah, I mean, if you're credit, if you're credited for playing on the, it just depends if you're credited as a studio musician. Just in low denominations. It, it just de- it just mm-hmm. depends on how you're. Yeah, it depends. It's levels. All right, so yeah, it tends to be if you're credited, like you'll get money. Um, Kevin, what you got this week for us? Uh, we're gonna listen to a track from um, from a band that was. Uh, pretty buzzy uh, about a year ago at uh, they were an it band at South by a year ago but they put out a track that pretty recently that I think is kind of interesting um, it's not called girl pool the band is called girl pool girl pool all right let's let's do it I can't stand UFO stories I mean I can't stand them. we have done some but think of all the ones we didn't do right well leave it to a current affair staff to ruin my week on a Monday. 
Here's another one, a little different. In fact, very weird. So that was the Girl Pool track, It Gets More Blue. It's off, actually off of their upcoming LP, which uh, comes out, I believe, on May 12th. And, um, yeah, they were kind of an it band at South By in 2015, and then this is their this is uh, the first release off their upcoming second record. Hey, solid tune, but, hey, man, I think them chicks might be Lebanese. Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, pretty solid tune takes me right back to what I was listening to in 1996, so there's nothing wrong with that. But but that video was very confusing, other than the fact that I think them chicks is Lebanese. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, a, a lesbian friend of mine actually like turned me on to that You joke. told me about that before. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, the, you know, sort of the aha track in that, and the, you guys are talking a little bit about the video content, which is um, the video for this song, you know, depicts... Uh, yeah, the 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 band as two women in love, who are I guess, you know, admitting to each other that they have done things that are, that are bad for their relationship. And one of which they sing together is uh, I faked global warming just to get close to you. So <laughs> I don't know exactly how that works. Like pretty I, funny. I'm line. not a mathematician or a climatologist, but still, I'm pretty sure one person can't fake global warming. Is a fucking point, you dumb shit. Is it hot in here? Anyway. So take off all your clothes. Hey, I heard that song back in the 90s, too, man. Wait, it wasn't the 90s. I don't know what you're talking about. Never mind. I was just fucking talking shit. Anyway. Yeah, that that was a good song. Yeah, so. Profoundly confounding video. What's up? Yeah, what's up with the party with all the masks on? Um Everybody's wearing like a gold mask. But I, I love but how I love how at one point they they make a like when she busts out the tarot cards they they make a really like they make a point of making sure that the the incense and the incense burner is like square in the shot. Yeah, I don't know. I, apparently, I, look, it was, it, I mean, like the the, direct, of, the director of the video like took a credit like right at the start of the right thing. The so yeah. it's supposed to be very serious. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. It's decent. also like it, I mean, it also is like full it's of supposed to be that serious. I mean, it's a pretty silly video. Yeah, and it, I mean, it is it is kind of a silly ass uh, silly ask video, and it is also full of slack. So you kind of get the like the, I got kind of got the impression that it's like even though they're talking about matters of the heart, and like there are little nods to like sort of uh, heartbreak and whatever. It's also like pretty slacky and there's just a weird party in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, and they're dressing in different costuming. Well, and, and they go like out like that. on a hike together and read John Paul Sartre. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, huh. it's supposed to be pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like, yes. With the do- and the dog that's running alongside her after the the one woman leaves, you know, in the sailor boy suit on the, in the like the rowing Yeah, and she's boat. crestfallen. And the dog's got like a basically a stick in his mouth of the size of a tree trunk. I mean, there's funny shit in that. The point is, I think that if you if you're going through a hard time in your relationship, or you just got out of one, and you think, "Hey, is this as blue as it gets?" No, it gets more blue. It gets even more blue. It's just none it's more blue. It's still <laughs> this song is in D minor. Still blue. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that blue goes to eleven. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's girlful, dudes. That was good. And ladies, thanks, Kevin. Sure.
Kevin, what do you have next week? Oh, yeah. So next week. Oh, here. Hang on. I'm super excited about next week. So, um, we, so excited he has to look it up on I his know, phone. No, but he sounded excited, though. Didn't <laughs> no, he I, was excited ex- I was excited, but I just didn't remember to leave my, my phone on with my prompt in it. So next week we're going to listen to um, this band won the um, uh, the Grolke Prize at uh, this year's South by Southwest for the best. Oh, they new named a, a, a prize after Brent Grolke? They did. They did. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, um, it's a band from Brooklyn called the Lemon Twigs. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, so we're going to do that. I've next never week. heard a record by that. That's cool. Yeah. The Lemon Twigs? The Lemon, Lemon Twigs. Twigs. Uh, what is the name of the album? Do Hollywood. But they only have one album, so look do for Hollywood. it everywhere, and I'm sure that if you find one, that's the right one. All right. Well, thanks. Sure. All right. Well, let's get out of here for now. I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. And I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. There's so many places you can find Somebody Likes It. You can um, subscribe directly to us on iTunes, or you can also get at us on Stitcher. Tell your friends, because everybody loves a podcast. Holy shit.